Talk Live. Welcome to the live Saturday episode of the program. You can join us here and bring up whatever you want to discuss. The number to do that, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And I am an extremist. Good to have you here, extremist. <laughs> That's what we're starting tonight is... Uh, At least according to the government. Yeah, the FBI apparently has released, or not on purpose, somebody leaked it. They leaked it. Uh, What is uh, labeled as for internal use only, although it is unclassified, law enforcement sensitive. Well, it got out, and it's a document that uh, Project Veritas apparently released, and there's been some news coverage about this. Uh, What they're showing is what they're calling domestic terrorism symbols or symbols watch out for those or what it may be might be considered domestic terrorism they do point out here in their summary that uh, the use or sharing of these symbols alone should not independently be considered evidence of mve presence that stands for militant violent extremists militant violent like isn't that redundant if you're militant, yeah. doesn't that make you violent? Well, maybe militant. I don't know. Does militant mean you're organized? What is? Mm, what would be the difference a, between those two? That's a great question. If only there were a device. Or affiliation could... or serve as an indicator of illegal activity as many individuals use these symbols for their original historic meaning or other nonviolent purposes. So they do have that disclaimer in here. And I think it's, you know, okay. to, to be fair, not that we need to be fair to the FBI, considering that they're trying to put some of our co-hosts, including me, in prison for uh, the rest of our lives yeah but to be fair that disclaimer is there and pigeonhole a whole bunch of other people because yeah. like while they may have a little disclaimer in there it's a little disclaimer right the the big pamphlet thing that i saw the image that i saw uh, just contains a list of symbols and other things that you might watch out for uh, that make you think that hey if somebody is saying doing or showing these things they're an extremist. That's what they want you to think. Yeah. And, I mean, we already know that when it comes to law enforcement, they don't necessarily hire the most intelligent people. In fact, they hire people who are average and below intelligence. And so, In some cases. And so when they distribute propaganda like this, uh, particularly to pigeonhole people, you know, within, mm-hmm. you know, the United States, you know, if you will, the citizenry. It's uh, it's very disturbing. Why should they even care? I mean, people of different areas have always had their own symbols. People of different philosophies and beliefs have always had their own different symbols. Well, we know why they care. I mean, it's right here in the first sentence uh, under the summary of this document by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide. Quote, the following symbols are used by anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists specifically militia violent extremists or mve uh which they said i thought it was militant but whatever mve symbols are often found on propaganda online platforms memes merchandise group logos flags tattoos uniforms etc widespread use of symbols and quotes from american history especially the revolutionary war exists within (laughs) mve networks historic and contemporary military themes are common for mve symbols it's there in the first sentence where it says they're used by anti-government or anti-authority then they add violent extremists but they don't want people to be anti-government. They they don't want people to be thinking about 
how to get out from underneath yeah, their rule. Apparently, they don't want people quoting like the founding fathers. Hell, no, they don't want that. <laughs> those ideas, they don't want those ideas to come back again. They gonna, certainly don't want. They going to remove the founding fathers' quotes from the history books. Well, they probably won't go that far, but they certainly don't want them propagated. Uh, I just looked up militant just because we were yeah. talking. Uh, combative and aggressive in support of a political or social uh, cause and typically favoring extreme violent or confrontational methods. Okay, so that would be different than just someone who's violent for the purposes of v- being violent. This right. is the violence I, for the purpose of changing things. I take right. issue with some of the things on these lists, of course. Uh, particularly, uh, apparently, if you just are sort of a fan of Marvin Hemeyer, that's the killdozer guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Who didn't kill from, anyone, by the way, except himself. Yeah. Uh, apparently, that, that, that makes you a target. Mm-hmm. If you're like, hey, it's the anniversary of the killdozer, everybody. Apparently, that makes you an extremist. Isn't he listed on here? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other things that are on there, the Gadsden flag, mm-hmm. the don't tread on me, you know, the snake. No steppy snake. <laughs> and uh, of course the ANCAP flag the black and yellow the anarcho-capitalist flag yes and which correct me if I'm wrong ANCAPs are peaceful people well that's the thing and they acknowledge here in that in the disclaimer that many people who use these symbols may not actually be violent people yeah but the police aren't going to think like that they're no, not going to read true. that and be like oh well we better use our discretion no they're going to be like oh, there's some yellow and black we better get this guy he's an extremist the the fact is the supermajority of activists that use these symbols are peaceful activists that yeah. is absolutely true and the and the, and that's borne out by the fact that a bunch of them aren't getting arrested for stuff, right? Like they're they've been trying for years to infiltrate this movement. And when I say this movement, I don't mean anarcho-capitalism or right. whatever, because I don't consider myself one of those. I, I believe in free markets. I believe in freedom. I'm a I'm a liberty-minded person. I'm a voluntarist. I believe all human interaction should be consensual. But a, a lot of my friends would would utilize that particular term. I certainly came through the the mm-hmm. ANCAP avenue. There was a point in time where I was like, no, anarcho-capitalism. That's where it's at, man. You know, and like. I I wouldn't say that I no longer believe that because I do. It's just that my personal philosophies have expanded beyond that. Yeah. So it includes, I guess, the philosophies that most people who call themselves ANCAPs have. And I still use the yellow and black uh, colorings just specifically for that purpose. But, uh, you know, I think that my growth has, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of expanded beyond just that particular bit Agreed. Yeah, you have to also be a good person on top of you know understanding non-aggression. But the point I was making is they've been trying to infiltrate this movement, and I suspect have to yeah. some extent. We don't know to what extent, but we know they tried to get our co-host Nobody back when his name was Rich Paul, and they arrested him for selling weed here in Keene, New Hampshire. They did that. The local police made the arrest, but it was done at the behest of the fbi now right. that's not on the record official but you can kind of read between the lines of what was said at the trial and and it was pretty clear that that was they weren't just investigating him by chance right uh and so they arrested him and they asked him to wear a wire into the keen activist center at the time which was kind of a hub for the libertarian action that was going on here in keen the peaceful non-violent libertarian civil disobedience and you know things like that like the robin hooding the things that was happening here uh, a lot of that was sort of based from that location they wanted to get him to wear a wire in there and they probably had he agreed to it which he didn't 
Um, and he ended up going to trial because it would have dropped his charges and everything, sure. you know, which he was facing 100 years in prison. You got to make you a deal. A, he was facing 100 years in prison for those weed selling charges, by the way. Uh, so it was a lot of pressure on him to oh, go God. ahead and, and, you know, wear the wire. But he didn't. And But you better believe that if he, he had worn the wire, they would have told him to go in and say things like, well, you know, wow, to try bombing someplace, you know, or, you know, yeah. th- just just put it out there, right? Just throw it out there uh, on uh, and, and reel it back in. See if yeah. you can reel in any suckers to uh, to take in the idea of violence. Put them on a fishing expedition. Yeah, basically. And, and the thing is, no one would have fallen for that because we are a peaceful movement here. There's no violence being planned. And so if there were, they would have gone ahead and ginned something up like they did with the guys uh, that uh, you know allegedly wanted to kidnap the governor in Michigan, right. like they did with the 200-plus different quote-unquote terrorists, which were a bunch of patsies that they duped basically into angering them up to the point where they were willing to put a fake bomb somewhere in a van or, or whatever, and then they pretended like they busted some big bad terrorists, yeah. and it was actually the FBI that created that whole situation in the first place. They can't gin something like that up here they've had 20 years almost in the in new hampshire to do their best to send in their best undercover agents or informants or whatever and they've absolutely failed because this is a peaceful movement so instead they've charged us with uh victimless crimes in regards to bitcoin because that's all they got i was just gonna say it reminds me exactly of bitcoin because bitcoin has been under attack since its inception not only by governments but of course by Mm -hmm. banks and hackers galore because it has value and uh, you know it hasn't fallen and you know peaceful people i think will stay peaceful people because that's the core of what they are we will continue here and of course your calls and thoughts are welcome more on the fbi's attack against peaceful activists saying they're potentially violent Free Talk Live. You're welcome to join us here. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you here tonight, you got Ian. And the Reverend Captain Kickass is also here. So, as we've been paying attention here on the show to the economy for a long time, we know, and you probably know, that things are pretty shaky as far as the economic circumstances, not just in the United States, but all around the planet. The government, of course, continues to print money out and devalue whatever dollars you might have in savings. Another billion in arms to Ukraine, for whatever reason. Is we that talked, another thing recently? Talked, that, talked about that last night. Lovely. A total of $8.8 billion now. I believe just in armaments. Wow. Uh, of course, supply chain breakdowns. Many of us have experienced that. Labor force on the sidelines, ever increasing interest rates. It's a perfect storm for pushing the U.S. economy over the edge. And as inflation is now surpassing another 40 year high, the U.S. dollar continues its fall from grace. Right now, savvy investors are diversifying into gold and silver. And you can also own the most stable assets in recorded history with bullionmax.com. It's a brand new sponsor here on Free Talk Live. Uh, we heard about him actually the first time when Ron Paul came on the show because he's like their new spokesman, basically. Right, right. Uh, bullionmax.com is a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver. It's security for your family in times of crisis. You can buy direct from bullionmax.com without talking to a salesperson and then your precious metals ship fully insured directly to your home. It's fast and easy, and Free Talk Live has a special offer 
to get you started. You can get bullionmax.com's silver starter kit at employee pricing. You just go to bullionmax.com slash FTL, like Free Talk Live. And the kit includes five ounces of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including a 2022 Silver American Eagle, and those are a little more pricey than your average ounce of silver, a Buffalo Round, and a Buffalo Silver Bar. This offer is include, or limited to just one per household, so you can get yours now by going to bullionmax.com slash FTL. I'm excited to have uh, a big company that you know is really into uh, gold and silver like that. You know what yeah, I really like about, about uh, their advertisement there? is the without talking to a salesperson part. You can just go to their website, bullionmax.com slash FTL, and get yeah. it done. One of the things that I don't like about many businesses, not just you know gold and you know, silver dealers, that kind of a thing. Upselling? Is, uh, well, in this economy, right? Uh, whenever the economy starts to go bad, uh, the hiring of salespeople goes through the roof because everybody is like ramps up their sales mm-hmm. organizations because they got to sell more to make up for the bad econ- mm-hmm. economy. And so... I, I just hate high pressure salespeople. Yeah, it's the worst. No I, one likes that experience. Yeah. And but that's what you get when you you know you start hiring more salespeople because you gotta you know account for like particularly all the businesses that closed because of COVID or whatever. So if there's businesses that survived all that crap, they're behind the ball now, and so they got to ramp up their sales force. And you're gonna get a bunch of people who you know want to make that commission and you know start putting the high pressure tactics on people. It's just gonna happen. So I really appreciate that part. Yeah, so welcome to uh, bullionmax.com slash FTL. You can go there to get started, and we'll, of course, take your calls and thoughts about whatever's on your mind. You can join us here. Uh, The number is 603-283-6160. As we've been talking about the FBI's new uh, advisory sheet document uh, for law enforcement use, FBI internal use only, but somebody leaked it out to the folks over at Project Veritas, and they have different imagery symbols that they want their agents to be aware of, including the anarcho-capitalist flag, which uh, I'll just go ahead and read the description they included here. It says, an ideology held by some MVEs. Now, again, MVE stands for Militia Violent Extremists. They made up an acronym for it. Advocating the state be eliminated or minimized and then public services be provided by private companies competing in a free market. (gasps) The horror. (laughs) How extreme is that? Represented by a black and yellow flag. And then they show the the two triangles inside a flag. Basically, one is uh, golden or or yellow. The other is black. Uh, They also have others like the Boogaloo Boys on here. uh, The Punisher Skull. And Mulan Labe, they'll come and take it with, like, the gun barrel on it. There's a Second Amendment. Uh, yeah, they have a bit here in this article I have from the post Millennial. It says included in these symbols is 2A, with the FBI saying that MVEs justify their existence with the Second Amendment due to their mention of a well-regulated militia, as well as the right to bear arms. Yeah, you can tell they wish that wasn't there, right? <laughs> And then it says warrior culture, military themes, both historical and contemporary, with the examples of Spartans and Valhalla and Molan Labe, uh, which translates to come and take it from Greek. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an, another section here, which do you know what F-O-U-O stands for? What is that? What's that acronym stand for? It's got to be some kind of law enforcement acronym. It's There's a separate section here. So there's a section for symbols that we were just kind of giving you some highlights from. And then there's another one here, which is commonly referenced historical imagery or quotes. They include the Gadsden flag. Uh, they include the Liberty Tree, 
which is a famous elm tree in Boston near Boston Common. In 1765, colonists in Boston staged the first act of defiance against the British government at the tree, which, of course, the U.S. government says, oh, that was totally fine. You know, so it was totally fine to overthrow the British government, uh, to have a secession from the king, but, whoa, you can't be doing that nowadays. Yeah, I don't know what the that acronym is. Something um, use only, maybe, for... It's a, yeah, it's a phrase, though. It's a... Mm-hmm. But I don't remember what it is, and okay. it's not listed here. Uh, the FBI lists a number of common phrases uh, used by for mi- official militia use violent extremists, which includes, when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Nothing violent about that. Mm-hmm. Well-regulated American militia and... I will not comply. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's on the backside. I didn't even look at that one. The document also lists a number of people they say militia violent extremists have deemed as martyrs, which includes Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by police inside the Capitol building on January 6th, as well as Vicki Weaver, who was shot and killed by the FBI during the siege of Ruby Ridge in 1992. As well as Marvin Hemeyer, made famous during the famous, infamous 2004 Killdozer incident. No, don't forget Duncan Lemp, who Duncan was shot Lemp. to death in his home by the police for no, no reason whatsoever. This is the paragraph. While sleeping, if I recall correctly. This is the paragraph that gets me. Uh, the FBI also lists off a number of these militia violent extremists, including the Three Percenters and Oath Keepers. Hmm. Uh, they list a few more uh, events like the Waco siege in 93, as well as people like Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh. Now, I, the Oath Keepers, near as I can tell, are folks who went into a, a government position. Yeah, usually military or law enforcement or something. Took an oath to uphold the Constitution, you know, the founding document of the United States of America. And they have decided to keep that oath. That's what they're saying, at least. This somehow makes them an ext- a violent extremist? Like, come on. This is just crap. This is horse crap. This is the government targeting its own citizens. When governments go to war against their own citizens, that is the real extremist. Well, right. and Extreme, Extremism. Th- those are reasons why people, they give all these reasons why, you know, what are motivating, what are inspirational toward quote-unquote MVEs, and they list Ruby Ridge and Waco. Hey, you know what's extreme? Dropping a nuclear bomb. It's the anniversary of uh, Hiroshima and oh, Nagasaki today. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we can talk about that, too, if you want. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live. Extreme Free Talk Live. Are you an MVE? Most valuable extremist? (laughs) Uh, They're talking about MVEs. This is a law enforcement phrase, a law enforcement acronym. They love their acronyms. Government people. They They say it stands for Militia Violent Extremism. And they have a a document that was released by Project Veritas. Who invented that? That's that's just poor grammar. Well, 
they do what they want. Those words don't, I mean, somebody didn't have like a background in marketing or something like that, because usually when you make up an acronym, the words at least sort of sing together, but that's just difficult yeah, to say. Awful. They don't have to please you, Captain, with their acronyms, because you'll pay them whether they like it or whether uh, you like their service or not. That's a fact, Jack. Uh, Speaking of extreme, isn't that extreme? I think it is. Like providing services or products at the behest of violence? Isn't that really what's extreme here? Absolutely. We're going to continue, and uh, your calls and thoughts are welcome. By the way, I want to thank Andrew Loy, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It is a way for you to help us I get the word out about freedom, you know, peace, because we do advocate for peace here on this program. We sure do. Um, and if you like what we do, then you want to help us for at least five bucks a month. Andrew's doing 10, by the way, so he's gold level. Dude. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, if you want to help us with that, go to amps.freetalklive.com. You can sign up there. That's amps.freetalklive.com. It's Ian and the captain here in the studio tonight. Let's go to Steven. He's in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Steven. Hey, how are you? Hey, what's on your mind? Hey. Uh-oh. I think his cell phone... Just dropped out at the time he was about to get to the meat of the call. What was that? Are you still there? Wait, F around? Oh, you yeah, did, you do, totally just dropped out whatever your first couple sentences were. So just start over. Go ahead. F A F O is uh, F around and find out. That is what F A F O stands for. I, thanks, uh, man. However, that wasn't the acronym being used here. This is uh, F O U O, which stands for for official use only. In the case of this document. Oh, that. Oh, never mind. Um, so you said the Punisher skulls on there? Yeah, which you see on a lot of cop cars or yeah. a, a lot of cop, like, you know, their private vehicles. Uh, it says Punisher skull. And SEAL Team 3. And what? SEAL Team 3. Uh, several variations of skulls used by three percenters and Molan Labe, etc. That's all they give you with the Punisher skull info. <laughs> I must be a like extreme extremist because uh, you know my metal bands always use skulls, particularly mm. winged skulls. For some reason, we just thought they were cool. That's pretty cool. Were they flaming winged skulls or just winged skulls? Well, you know, yeah, we had flames. a limited budget, so uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can have the flames, you should go. With the I, actually, the uh, I think they they're based out of New York. Uh, Overkill was one of the first metal bands to use the skull with just wings on it. What else, Stephen? Um, I just find it hilarious how many um, veteran organizations and how many different. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Like if you've been, if you're a veteran, you've worked for these people and you know how, how corrupt that they are. And and thank you, Stephen, for the call tonight. I know you're you're at work there. Um, You know how corrupt that they are. You know, the system is awful from, from top to bottom and you either really love it and you keep working for them or you stop working for them. And then you hopefully will turn to the side of good and use your skills to try to, I would say, again, peacefully yeah. do what can be done about these people. But remember, the government knows what they taught you. They know that they taught you violent stuff. Like they, they sure turned did. you into a weapon and now you're not with them anymore. Well, if you're not with them, you must be against them. And so therefore they're going to treat you like an enemy and like, you know, they're going to hurt you possibly. And that's really what's extreme is that they turn human beings into weapons. Yeah. That's extreme. Right. Have them kill peaceful people all around the planet. People they've never met. 
probably will never meet, you know, because some politicians, some guys in suits have a disagreement because they're cowards and won't go fight their battles themselves. Well, and let's and if you want to comment on the MVE thing, feel free. I mean, I feel like we've, we've covered a, the, the document here, but you mentioned just briefly before we went to one of the breaks that today is the anniversary and you did double check 77 years, was 77 it? years ago today that they dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, <laughs> killing God knows how many peaceful people. I, I was reading a Twitter thread earlier today, which is what brought it to mind. And the thing was full of people just going, well, no, the dropping the bomb was absolutely necessary. You don't understand the pressure that the president was under, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. The estimated totals, had we not dropped the bomb, were something like blah, 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 which would be way more than what the actual death total of the bombs were. And it's like, you don't know that. They're mm-hmm. called estimated for a reason. So Sorry, people were really defending me, this. I it mean, just, it's it's almost unbelievable. Yeah, they're all that, like, they're like, open a history book. Well, the the the, uh, the it was obvious what he needed to do. He needed to drop the bomb. And it's like, no, it was not necessary. The whole war was unnecessary. It, well, that's true. The the American in fact, all of the wars the, the quote United States unquote has fought have mm-hmm. been wholly unnecessary. And I believe, uh, correct me if maybe I'm with wrong, the exception of the Revolutionary War. Okay, but I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that all of these wars were started under false pretenses. Yeah, I don't know which ones weren't. I mean, all wars are lies. There's lies all over the place from all sides. And you what don't else? Know what's true? And what else is extreme is uh, an organization that's based on violence and coercion taking money from a whole bunch of people without their consent and using it to drop bombs, whether it's Hiroshima and Nagasaki mm-hmm. or it's somewhere in the Middle East or it's you know arming Ukraine or whatever. That is extreme. Peace is never extreme. The innocent life that suffers underneath this, you know, these bombs being dropped, nuclear-style weaponry, basically, uh, atomic weaponry, that wiped out mostly innocent life. I'm sorry, just because there are people who live in a country, a plot of land on a map that is run by psychopaths, and they all are, okay, just so you know, the people in the United States government, the Russian government, the North Korean government, the Japanese government, you name it, today, they're all psychopaths, they're, they're sick people, and they have no problem destroying innocent life if it gets them to whatever political goal that they have. Or even just gets them reelected. Like, sure. At, you know, that's if they think like, it'll yeah. work, they'll do it. They don't care. Uh, it's all about them. Can you imagine sitting in your political office and going, hmm, well, I guess if I'm going to get a- reelected, I-, I better drop some bombs. Need to start a war. Get I better, the people better get- start murdering right. some people. So, you know, these people that supported the Hiroshima and Nagasaki that today still support that, even with all the horrific photos and all the evidence that we have of yeah. the, the destruction. People who weren't even alive at the yeah. time are like, you know, not that I was, of course, but, you know. Are these the same people who uh, also want to see Russia bombed to the Stone Age? Because, well, they invaded Ukraine, and they means, of course, in reality, the people calling themselves the Russian military. The people of Russia didn't invade. There's a bunch of people in Russia that are against the invasion. Yeah. But if you drop a bomb on them, they die too. Do they want the United States to have a bomb dropped on them because they invaded the Middle East? Oh, of course not. Oh, well, then they're hypocrites. Of course they are. Uh, it's it's really sick. And if you want to weigh in on the, the discussion, you're welcome to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. 
at least we're fortunate enough to where there seems like there's enough outrage over Hiroshima and Nagasaki that that level of destruction, thankfully, hasn't happened since that time. So that's one good thing we can say. So for whatever warmongers you were interacting with on Twitter, I'm hoping those people are still in the minority. Oh, I, I didn't. I, I couldn't jump in because, I mean, the thread was already a million miles long, yeah. but I, I was just... Surprised and, and, and appalled sad. at the level of brainwashing that has occurred. Yeah. yeah, amazing that anyone would trust anyone from whatever government we're talking about. But unfortunately, we're not there yet. We're not to the point where the average person, even though they seem to understand the old joke of whenever a politician's lips are moving that they're lying, they can't seem to connect that to the reality of, oh, well, this time the election's going to be different. I think this person's trustworthy. I'm going to vote for this other guy over here. And it's like, that's not going to make a, a difference. Yeah, they do a, a really good job at putting, you know, seven degrees of separation between the murder and their campaign commercials. Mm-hmm. The number is 603-283-6160. If you want to join us, you can take control of the airwaves. Uh, speaking of Russia, apparently they are on the attack against the dollar and the euro. We can talk about that on the way. You can share your thoughts, too. Free Talk Live. Phone's open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Whether you want to talk about the FBI labeling people as militia violent extremists, or whatever happens to be on your mind. It's apparently the 77th anniversary of the horrific bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, where estimates are between 129,000 people and 226,000 people were exterminated by those bombings. The vast majority of those people, completely innocent, peaceful individuals who had absolutely nothing to do with uh, fighting a war and of course as you pointed out captain the united states should not have gotten involved in the first place at all yeah uh but we go on we're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts here and if you want to weigh in the number is 603-283-6160 oh by the way free talk live is brought to you by bitcoin.com so if you're ready to start learning about cryptocurrency you ought to go to bitcoin.com and click get started right there at the top of the page and the folks over at Bitcoin.com will uh, share with you some interesting videos. You can watch the first one, and I think it'll take all about three minutes of your time. And get some of the basics down. Get some of the, the concepts like decentralization of money, why that matters, why we need to get the government and the banks out of the picture of money, and how that helps the individual. You can go to Bitcoin.com, click Get Started to do that. And if you're not brand new to crypto and you get the latest uh, news headlines, they've got those for you over at news.bitcoin.com. Let's go first to Mike in Delaware. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and the captain. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, so I just heard before you went to me that we shouldn't have gotten involved in the first place, meaning we shouldn't have entered into the Second World War. Or the first. Or Vietnam, okay. or Korea, yeah. or you know the Middle East, any well, of the Middle East. Don't you agree? I mean, that's what the founding fathers were saying. Uh, that's no, that's incorrect. That's not what they were saying. Oh yeah, no, they were saying uh, think, uh, let's not have entangling alliances with uh, with people. That's uh, absolutely what they were saying. Take, take, no, that's not what they were saying. And in fact, we detangled from England because of the usurpations of our of our rights. 
I mean, you're 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 changing the topic here. Your premise was, you know, hundred. Well, no, I mean, you're you're you're, you can get to your point here, but I'm sorry, Thomas Jefferson is is quoted with saying, "Peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none." So, I mean, while there may be some founding fathers that wanted to go fight wars all over the world, that's not what's commonly known. Okay, so so let's get back to common sense here. You just pressed that one by. Go right ahead. Go with your common sense. we're all going to hold hands and sing kumbaya because war is bad and there's never going to be war. Is that, is that no, no, no. Why don't you go to war if that's what you want to do? If you want to go fight for France or you want to go fight for Ukraine or for Russia so you, so you or whoever you want to so go fight for, you my, go. So you just put words in my mouth and said, I'm a warmonger. Is that what you're doing? No, no, no. You said you want to hold hands and go kumbaya. And I'm telling you, what I just want is for you not to force me to pay for military adventurism. That doesn't mean that I don't support defense. If somebody wants to come over here and attack New Hampshire, we got more machine guns per capita than anywhere else in the country. I think we'll do just fine. Well, what happened at Pearl Harbor? You want to know what happened at Pearl Harbor? It was the United States federal government that manipulated the Japanese to attack Pearl Harbor. That's absolutely public. You can look up the McCollum memo. So we made them attack us. Is Basically, that yeah, they wanted an excuse to get the the American people all hot and bothered and uh, to, to give them an excuse to go to war. Foaming at the mouth. Okay, how about 9-11? How about 9-11? The same thing? What the hell does that have to do with a government of the world? Well, that- well wait a minute. You, ju- you just told us, you just told me that we manipulated Japan. Did we manipulate Saudi Arabia to attack us on 9-11? I don't think there's any evidence that the government of Saudi Arabia was behind the 9-11 attacks. I mean, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there about that. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Public evidence is 19 of the 21 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. Did they invade Saudi Arabia afterward? So... Did they? so So we never fight a war. Is that your premise? Again, I have no problem with defense... But going over into another country and messing with other people is completely against what the United States was supposed to be. Yeah, the U.S. government was supposed to be peaceful. There wasn't even a standing army in the Constitution. You do know that, right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. That is correct. Right. There was a Navy. And I'm not. uh, But that was it. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, we had a Navy. Yeah. I'm not arguing that war is a good thing, and okay. I and I agree with you that most wars we should stay the hell out of, and we okay. have a huge war machine that just gets the top one percent richer. I agree with all that. Sure, that's true. But, but but there's always but there's always a time and place for defending your country, and there's also a time and place where you have to make a strategic decision. I, I don't agree with you about World War II. There was lots of games played by the Kennedys at Al. You know, there's lots of evidence to that that. You know, they were hiding what was going on there for 10 years. But it, when we made the decision to go there... You made the decision? We're at the po- I said when we, as a country, our oh, leaders okay. made the we decision. We didn't make the decision there. as a country. Because I wasn't around. It was a bunch of politicians that made that decision. That's correct. Yeah, that's not Let we. Let finish my point. Okay. Po- <laughs> well, you're, you're a citizen of this country, No, right? I'm not. And Prove it. Vote. Oh, okay. So, so, so now we're... I don't think you're a citizen line, of the country. What's the definition of a citizen? Wow, wow, we're in we're in uh, fantasy land. No, no, no. Now. I'm asking you a question. You said you believe oh, okay. in citizenship, so, so tell me the definition of it. If you are one, you can certainly define it, right? Right. So, how many genders are there? Are there 65 genders? I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Why don't you answer the question? What's a citizen? You're the one who brought it up. So, what is it? 
It's yeah, okay yeah, if you don't know. Just admit it. Just admit you, you don't know what it is. Do, do you have fun talking over your... I'm asking you a question. Are you going to answer it? <laughs> That's how a conversation is supposed to work. So you so you, you want to get into a semantic of who's a citizen. It's a simple I, definition. I was born here. It's I, easy. I was born here. I assume you were born here. And therefore, we were conveyed the rights of citizenship under the mm. Constitution. You want, do you want to get into the tertiary arguments and get off the That's point certainly of, what they teach like, you in government school, but you clearly don't so, know what the definition of a citizen is. Otherwise, you would just spit it out. Okay, so keep insulting your caller. So let's get That's back to That's not an insult. Let, it's okay to, to just admit you don't of, know something. Yeah, I mean, I don't think less of you because you don't know the definition of citizen. I, I didn't tell, know it. I could tell you what it is, but, you know, we want to see if you know. It's clear that you, you don't. Do you want to do argue? You, Huh? How, about, how about we argue over the definition of what recession is? You We're not arguing. We're not arguing, dude. I asked you a question and you're not answering it. Do you want me to tell you what you the definition is? You can look it up in any dictionary. Me, you ask me a ridiculous tertiary question. No, it's not tertiary. You brought it up. You brought up citizenship. You accused me of being a citizen, and I said, not, a, not only am I not one, you're not one either. But you think you are, because that's what, what the government's taught you your whole life, and you believed it. This is why people have problems with your with your broadcast. I don't care you what people have a problem that, with, dude. You asked the question about Truman and was, whether he was right or whether he was. I didn't even mention Truman. Label him. Excuse me. I didn't mention Truman. Yeah, nobody has mentioned the word Truman until you did point. just now. Oh, so so Truman didn't make the decision to drop the bomb on Hiroshima. We were talking about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We didn't talk about the politicians you specifically. Said, you said we as a country dropped the bomb, and I said, no, we didn't drop anything. And then Ian said the politicians made that decision, and then you went on to who, you know, who, avert who the question. The, and who was the politician in charge who ultimately made, ultimately made the decision? I really don't care. Uh, who, uh, who Are you a government worker? Do you work for them by any chance? Are, 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 are you, do, do you know what the definitions of words mean? Do you, yeah, I have a have dictionary a, and I can look them up. I also have a magic rectangle with yeah. which I can look up the definition of citizen if you'd like to so, continue. Yeah, I'd like to get, a, get back around to that since you refuse to answer the question. I'm just going to go presume now that you don't know the answer as to what a citizen is. You can look it up in any law dictionary. You can look it up in any normal dictionary. So, the so the presume, definition I'll is presume, the same. I'm just going to put you on hold. So, you know, maybe if you're not going to listen, Mike, perhaps some of our audience will be able to listen. Uh, Captain, what is the definition of a citizen? A citizen is a person who gives a duty of allegiance in return for a duty of protection. It's, uh, I think it's usually described as an obligation of protection. But yeah, duty, you, you, it's an exchange. It's an exchange, yes. It's, it's a deal, supposedly. Uh, you, you give them your allegiance. They give you protection. your protection in response. Does that sound right to you, Mike, or do you think it's something else? So where is that definition from? Go look it up in any dictionary, dude. I've seen it in multiple places. Try dictionary.com or Merriam-Webster or whatever. Are you saying that doesn't sound accurate to, to you? What I'm saying is many words have many definitions. And if you're saying that's yeah, the only that's definition true. of a citizen, then you don't know what you're talking about. So what is the definition? There are many definitions depending on who you talk to. I'm talking that is, to you. That is part of the do you want me to respond or you want to talk over me every time I i'm talking to you what is the definition then let's talk about hiroshima so nah. that's number 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 if you can't have a conversation why would we want to talk to you about anything if you don't even want to answer a simple question by the way miriam webster 
m-w.com. A native or naturalized person who owes allegiance to a government and is entitled to protection from it. Huh. There it is. Right there. Definition 1A. This is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 is coming up. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live and the live Saturday show. We're here for you. If you want to call in, you can bring up anything that you want. That's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And the Reverend Captain Kickass is here. Uh, so we're going to get back into your phone calls, but just in regards to the last guy that was on the phones, and for those of you just tuning in, you didn't hear the call, uh, he called in. We've been talking about Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the horrors of bombing innocent, what is mostly a group of uh, over 100,000, some say as many as 200,000 uh, innocent people, that, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, he, his, he was saying, oh, we have to go to war sometimes, blah, 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 war this, war that. And I forget why he brought up something about, oh, well, you're a citizen and something about citizenship. He brought that up. Yeah. And so I said, well, no, I'm actually not a citizen and neither are you. Do you know what de- the definition of a citizen is? Because there's a bunch of people that believe, because they've been told their whole lives by government agencies, by government schools, by mainstream media, it's all over the place. It's constantly pounded into you. You have to you have to check boxes on forms that constantly say that you're a U.S. citizen. So yep. everybody believes it. But what if it just weren't true? Well, all you have to do is look at the definition of a citizen. And, you know, to some extent, he's right that there are, quote unquote, different definitions out there. Sure. But the most common definition from what I've seen, you go to dictionary.com, because we already read it from uh, Merriam-Webster, probably the most recognized dictionary out there in the English language. Uh, But here's dictionary.com, a native or naturalized member of a state or nation who owes allegiance to its government and is entitled to its protection. Okay, it's pretty clear. Someone who owes allegiance to a specific government and that government has some sort of obligation to protect that person in return for that trade. Right. right? Because if if that trade, let's say, was was broken by one side saying, the government in this case, saying, eh, we don't really need to protect you. 
Oh, okay. Well, then why would I have any allegiance to you in the first place? Presuming there really was an agreement, and there wasn't, right? Unless you were actually naturalized, unless you actually did immigrate into the United States, where they actually did ask you a bunch of questions, you had to sign a form, and you had to swear an oath. And right. the average person in the U.S. that was born here, they didn't go through that. Nope. I didn't. I, I certainly didn't either. So they just issue you a number, and they say, oh, well, congratulations, you were born here, you're a citizen. But not if they aren't obligated to protect you. And the fact is, they aren't. So that's all you have to do is look that up. Look up no obligation to protect, and you'll find court case after court case, Supreme Court cases. Again and again and again Mm -hmm. and again and again, courts have ruled military, police, whatever, have no duty to protect you. That's right. None. Zero. Zilch. They might do it on accident or because they feel like it. I mean, it's not to say that it couldn't happen if you called the police. They might show up and do the right thing, or they might show up and shoot your dog and kill your son. One every hour. But if the thing is, if they don't show up at all, there have been some people who've like brought a lawsuit and said, hey, I called 911 while my wife was being murdered and raped and you didn't do anything about it. Well, guess what? They didn't have to. They go, oh, sorry. Yep. Hit precedent over here. They don't here. even usually say sorry. Oh, no, they don't. You're right. No, they just say, we don't have to. Yeah, they just go over Suck here. It. Over here, the precedent has been set where the Supreme Court has ruled that they have no duty to protect you. So what you're saying, Ian... Let me let me summarize this. If uh, if a citizen is a person who is owed a duty of protection in exchange for a duty of allegiance, mm-hmm. and the organization that is supposed to provide that protection has said again and again and again and again and again that they have no responsibility to do so, then that kind of means that citizens don't really exist. That's what it seems like to me. Now, if you want to weigh in, you're welcome to join us here, 603-283-6160. Now, that's not going to stop them from assaulting you and throwing you in a cage. Taking your money. I mean, I would love to be able to say to the federal gangs, like, well, hey, you know, I'm not a citizen. Your your laws don't work on me. Well, they still have men with guns, and they still have cages, and they still have their courts and all that that crap. And so if they want to hurt you, uh, they're going to do it. But it is an interesting discussion. And it is true what you're saying about there's no obligation on their part to protect you. That's a fact. And so this whole claim that, oh, well, there's a social contract. You know, you know we get every, every now and then somebody will call yeah. in. Well, you guys say you, you agreed to the social contract. Well, we always like to say, well, no, we didn't. But even if we did, presumably the, that's what they're referring to, right? Because that's the closest thing that you could possibly come to, to right. some sort of a definition of what that contract might actually entail. Because they can never point to it. They can right. never say, well, here's what it says. Or they'll say, well, the Constitution is the contract. Well, guess what? Only no, like not. a handful of people signed that. I didn't sign it. Did you sign the it? The Constitution is by definition not a contract right. because it is simply a set of rules for them to follow. Correct. The Constitution does not specify... But even if it was a contract, yeah. uh, it's it can't be enforceable because... It's not binding to you. It's not binding to me. Because you? some old guys a couple hundred years ago signed a thing? It doesn't make sense. How does that bind me to it? No. It doesn't. Let's talk to Law Dog. He's in Michigan. Law Dog, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and the captain. Hey, thanks for taking my call, and thanks for allowing me to share this. Page 200, Bill O'Reilly, Killing of the Rising Sun. Uh, GB uh, bank employee, 18-year-old. Akito Takakura is among of those who were spared. She stepped into work just moments before the work. her workplace exploded at 8.15, stopping the bank's clock at precisely at that time. When I was doing my morning routine, she said, the dusting of the desk and things like that, the A-bomb was dropped. All I remember is I saw something flash suddenly. Though the bank is just 300 yards from the center of the bomb blast, it's stone walls and armored 
window coverings provide a perfect protection. Just on the other side of those walls, on the steps leading into the bank, a Kiko would have been instantly turned into a carbon lump. Wow. Momentarily knocked unconscious from the blast, a Kiko wakes up a short time later and staggers into the street to the scene of profound horror. Many people on the streets were killed almost instantly. The fingertips of those dead bodies caught fire, and a fire gradually spread all over the entire bodies from their fingers. A light gray liquid dripped down from their hands, scorching their fingers. I was so shocked to know that fingers and bodies could be burned and deformed like that. Mm. Akiko wandered through the city in a daze. Her progress slowed by the countless dead bodies. She carefully steps over. She makes her way to a former military garrison where bare-chested soldiers were performing their do- morning calisthenics just hours ago. At the drill ground, the burnt field was strewn with what must have been dead soldiers. She lies down on the ground to rest. I don't know how much time passed, but at dusk I suddenly vomited what must have been my, the remnants of my breakfast. I vomited bloody phlegm twice. I knew then that I, too, would die in that place. Despite 102 cuts on her back from flying glass and debris, along with two serious burns and many bruises, Akiko finds the will to go on. I'm going to live. I've got to live, she tells herself. A half century from now, determined that a new generation of Japanese must never forget the horror she's experienced today, Akiko will write the poem to children who don't know the atomic bomb. Describing that morning in graphic detail and ending with the following unforgettable image. One woman walking on the road died, and then her fingers burned. A blue flame shortening them like candles. You gentlemen take it from here. I got to take a piss. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, Law Dog. I you, appreciate that. To, to be fair, you, you never really take one. You leave one. <laughs> I mean, I deposit. I don't know that anybody I know has ever gone into a a bathroom and like literally took one. True. Uh, The English language failed us on that one, I think. (laughs) Or at least the use of it. Uh, Just a horrible story and one of a myriad of them just absolutely horrifying from uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, I don't mean necessary. I don't mean to make light of the words that that caller just read to us because war is horrific and the fact. Mostly unnecessary. The fact that. There are way too many people who can't see that war is wholly unnecessary for people to exist on this planet is probably one of the most disturbing things that I, you know, think about on a daily basis. Mm. That so many people are like, well, you know, we had to do what we had to do. It's like politicians said we had to. We didn't have to do anything. It was decided for, you know, the the proverbial we that that everybody likes to use. I didn't decide anything. Did you decide anything? No, and usually it's politicians lying to you, right? Yes. So when they say a thing, oh, weapons of mass destruction, yellow cake. Oh, they attacked us at the fort. The Gulf of Tonkin. Whatever. Gulf of Tonkin in in the Vietnam uh, incident. So... You know, lies, 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 built on top of lies to get people to support killing innocent people all around the world. When will it end? Well, we're going to have to, I think we're going to have to end governments. And whichever order it happens in is fine with me. We're coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open for you. If you want to join in, here the number 603-283-6160. Ian and the captain in the studio tonight. 
If we get the chance, we'll get into Russia going after the dollar and the euro. We'll explain what that's all about coming up here. Uh, of course, you can bring up anything you want. You can also join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. We have our social media platform. It is our platform. We run it on our server. It's a Mastodon-based system, which means it's open source, and it's connected, uh, they call it federated, to thousands of other Mastodon, Mastodon systems across the world, uh, which is pretty cool. It's a nice system, and it's free to use, and we get to set the rules for our server. And so our rules are you get way more freedom to express yourself than you do on the big media, big tech, <laughs> mega platforms. Head over to social.freetalklive.com. You can post there at your leisure. That's social.freetalklive.com. You can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners and hosts of the show. Uh, once again, social.freetalklive.com. Real quick, I just want because we were talking about war and we we're talking about, you know, how to bring about the end of war. Well, a good start, of course would be the separation of money and state. That'd be a great start. I think that would go a very long way to ending war. Because, I mean, it's kind of like, at some point, everybody thought it was ridiculous to separate church and state, right? And then Mm -hmm. somehow the idea caught on, and everybody's like, yeah, that's totally what we should do. We should separate church and state. And then that happened, and then guess what? Churches had much less influence over political situations. The same thing can be accomplished by separating money and state. Instead You're not going to let it go easy, no, though. No, of course not. And that is one of my fears, of course, is that as the economy uh, in the United States continues to decline, the value of the dollar goes down and down and down, inflation goes up and up and up, the price of everything is extraordinary these days and shows no signs of slowing down, that at some point, if you look back at history, particularly the United States history, The only way that politicians get the country, quote unquote, out of these economic turmoils is by going to war. War is the health of the state. Smedley Butler, I believe. He did say that. That's right. War is the health of the state. And so. I'm sorry. You're saying it gets them out of economic turmoils? I mean, that makes things worse, right? Because then you're shifting all this money over to the war effort. uh, Well, are you really? Right. Or are you just rallying everybody to, you know, get in on it? Right. All of a sudden they're going to need weapons. They're going to need more ammunition. Right. So they crank up the factories. They crank, you know, they got to start producing more things to support the military than they currently have because when you go to war then it's like it's sort of an all in. Well, it's certainly good for the military industrial complex, but not for the rest of the country. But if you look traditionally, uh, or if you look at the history and what happens is, you know, the economy sort of goes down, they declare a war, the economy comes back up. Mm. It's just a cycle that I've observed. Mm. I could be wrong, but it's a cycle that I've observed. If I'm wrong, give us a call, 603-283-6160. I think it's probably a temporary illusion. You know, maybe when they're, when you're saying the economy comes back up, maybe the because the federal government is printing money and then sending it to war profiteers that that somehow is being factored in i you know not having actually looked at this in any significant manner but i mean it's what is it the broken window fallacy right the idea that oh well if you break a window then that creates all this economic activity look the uh, uh the window repairman he's got new business now and he's coming and he's fixing things and then the janitor's cleaning it up because it's broken and whatever right like there's supposedly all this economic activity but the unseen part of that is what would that business owner that had the broken window or in this case the whole country in the case of the war, what would they have done with that money 
if they didn't have to clean up the broken window and replace it and or in the case of war go to war then they would have used that that money in a more productive manner they would have put that money to work at their business for instance and they would have maybe hired somebody or hired two somebodies or expanded their business or gone on a vacation or whatever but because somebody broke the window now they can't do that or because the government went to war now tax money is you know more taxes are being extracted from people more money's being printed uh, I don't buy it, Captain. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you guys want to weigh in, feel free. The number is 603-283-6160. Otherwise, you could war yourself into prosperity. And that obviously doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, that seems to me to be exactly what happens. I don't, I don't think that can be true. Okay. Uh, there's. Uh, you can share your thoughts here. Gigi is on the line in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, gentlemen. Number one, I adore what Law Dog from Michigan read to us. Excellent. Number two, several weeks ago, I called and posed a question, why are American troops located now in Somalia? And Richie Rich gave a wonderful answer. And lo and behold, last night on the BBC, they echoed what he said to me many weeks ago. And what was that? I, I wasn't States here for it. doesn't want Russia or China to come in and control the Red Sea that empties into the Indian Ocean for trade purposes and oil mm. tankers. And lastly, very much appreciate what both you gentlemen said about citizenship, because I'm thinking, what better example than when President Roosevelt rounded up the troops and state and local troops cooperated, or we should say maybe collaborated, against Japanese American citizens. Oh yeah, that's and true. Their property, their businesses, their homes, their cars, their money in the banks were confiscated, and they were put in internment camps. How were they protected when they gave allegiance? Yep, great point. Excellent. Right. Point. Yeah, and didn't they also round up some Germans too? I know they don't usually get talked about, but there was it yes. wasn't just Japanese they were rounding up, yes, right? Sir. Yeah. German American citizens. And lastly, please permit me this. I lived in Miami when Elian Gonzalez was kidnapped in the middle of the night, sleeping like a little boy would be in the middle of the night, in the home of his family, when Janet Reno gave the okay for the troops to go in and take that child by force and scare the hell out of them to only send them back to a communist country. It's horrifying. I remember when that happened in the the late 1990s. Yes, sir. Disgraceful. Thank you, Gigi, for the call tonight. I I do appreciate hearing from you. Great point. I'm glad you brought up the internment of the Japanese. We didn't even touch on that uh, here. And it it has happened before, and there's no reason to believe that that wouldn't happen again if they wanted to. People like to believe that, oh, it won't happen here. It can't happen here. Blah, 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 blah. But it did. Look back at the past. You're like, it did, and it will again. Uh, so I don't have, there's a lengthy story here, uh, over by the, uh, let's see, it was Ludwig von Mises who wrote an article, Interventionism and Economic Analysis. Yeah. I was looking at something from the Cato Institute that seems to agree with you. Uh, and that is to say that, uh, when the United States goes to war, the way they calculate GDP mm-hmm. does increase because they're counting 
you know, it's the, money wartime, time. the wartime stuff as yeah. gross domestic product. But they've gone on to say here that it actually, it, the GDP lowers per capita as a result uh, of war. So they, okay. they do seem to agree with your assessment. So that, the profiteers make the money. Right. The that suffers. They're doing the calculation and going, hey, look, war is good for business. But in reality, it's not. The number is 603-283-6160. This is a really detailed story with the the War Market Economy article. I will post it on our social media for anybody that wants to dig into that. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. There's more coming up. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. As inflation surpasses another 40-year high, the U.S. dollar continues to weaken. Savvy investors are diversifying into gold and silver, and you can also own the most stable assets in recorded history with bullionmax.com. BullionMax.com is a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver. It's security for your family in times of crisis. Buy direct from BullionMax.com without talking to a salesperson, and your precious metals ship fully insured directly to your home. It's fast and easy. Free Talk Live has a special offer to get you started. Get BullionMax.com Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. Just go to BullionMax.com FTL. This kit includes five ounces of the most desirable silver products, including a 2022 Silver American Eagle, a Buffalo Round, and a Buffalo Silver Bar. This offer is limited to one per household, so get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com FTL. Free Talk Live, live Saturday show. Phones are open and you can join us. Live from New Hampshire, it's Saturday night. We're here and you can bring up anything you want. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and the captain in the studio here tonight. Captain with a brand new website URL. CaptainKickass.com. Yeah, buddy. Got to get that out there. I know. good one. I've said it a couple of times and... I think I even mentioned it maybe last night too, uh, because I did a. I didn't realize this. This is day two of a kick-ass weekend on Free Talk Live. Oh, all kick-ass all weekend. All kick-ass right. all weekend. Yeah, right. I did last night. I'm here tonight, and I'm. I'll be here again tomorrow. Well, that's fifty uh, percent more kick-ass. It's pretty kick-ass, if you ask me. Uh, let's go to your calls and thoughts here, and then maybe we can talk about a little bit more about this interventionism question. On uh, you know, is it good for the economy? First, Michael is on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, yes, I have a unique perspective. I hate to take sides, but war is good money, and it's not just for the U.S. It's not good I money. You're earning Army it through depot. evil, number one. Well, I, I work for an Army depot, and I work for a company, and that company actually worked for BAE, which is British Aeronautics and Electronics. They build mm-hmm. a lot of the heavy-duty six-wheel drive vehicles. I work for the MRAP program during the Iraq war. So it actually helps, I know for a fact, both our economy and the U.K., because they invest money into our, uh, like, weapons. Well, you understand that money was stolen, right? What? No, no, both both countries dump money into it. No, 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 it's stolen money. What do you mean by stolen? What do you think taxes are, dude? Oh, I absolutely agree there, yeah. Oh, okay. So then then wouldn't you agree that... People would be better off economically 
if they didn't have their money stolen from them and they could buy whatever it is they wanted or invest in what they wanted or start a business uh, that they wanted to start rather than sending it oh, to go blow up in agree. bombs overseas. But, oh, I absolutely agree. 100%. Okay. The hard part is who would run? Uh, I mean, you look at the cities. They have people running them. Chicago, if there was nobody to guide them, would there, I mean, what would happen? L.A., Baltimore, I mean... Have you been to these places? I mean, I haven't been to all of them, but I understand they're pretty horrible. I've I've been to oh, most absolutely. major cities in the U.S., and they're horrible. Yeah, I mean, oh, how, I how's do. that guiding going I've been along? all over the country with the military. Oh, they're absolutely wretched anymore. And also, I mean, too, uh, like just for an example, I watched uh, in Seattle, where I lived for 22 years, I watched several things get voted down and implemented anyway. So these politicians certainly pay no attention <laughs> to what the people of these cities actually want and just absolutely. do whatever they want yeah, anyway. I mean, we have the oldest Congress. Absolutely. I mean, I live in a state where our governor doesn't even pretend that he cares. I mean, mm-hmm. they call him King Wolf. So I would surmise I mean, that if the governments of these cities just sort of faded into oblivion, that these cities would figure out how to do everything voluntarily, that is, by distinct uh, agreement between chap. people how'd that go what's that i'm sorry what i mean that did i mean we did gave what them go? the opportunity to be autonomous and that went just horribly what, who, who did what i'm sorry say that again Seattle. The, when they had that chop the autonomous oh show. the chad oh, thing or chaz yeah, or that, whatever they were it was given an no. opportunity no, that, by wall street everybody they, let them do their thing how'd that go those those aren't okay so first of all, the, the Chaz thing you're referring to is a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were a group of activists that. Does. Hang on. The, there's first of all, those aren't anarchists. Uh, they're communists. Yeah. But there's a group of uh, people that took control, quote unquote, of a few square blocks, right, of yep. uh, of Seattle, Capitol Hill, and basically the police backed off and said, "Okay, it's all yours," and they, and they and they did that, and that's not the same thing as a. Uh, a sea change in, or a renaissance, if you will, in the way that people think about government. And so. To sway people towards the idea of a commune and everybody being peaceful, the utopia just is unrealistic. Who's doing that? I mean, yeah. there were always people who were going to strive to be. Who's to, who? I'm sorry, who was beyond. swaying people towards I mean, a commune? That's com- why you have athletes. Michael, I mean, who, who was it that you were saying was swaying people towards a commune? No, no, I'm just saying in general, the idea of swaying people towards the communist. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. That's one ideology. That's not that's not what we're talking about here. We're not communists. Michael. Michael, we're not we're not communists. Okay, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about a free market. We're talking about swaying people towards the idea that it's stupid and counterproductive and destructive to have governments around that will destroy people's lives and destroy people's freedoms and ruin people's businesses when we could just have freedom and let people choose for themselves. That's the idea that we want people. I, th- I, mean, I don't want to speak for you, Captain, but I, that's spot on. I agree, but realistically, then you end up with Mexico, the cartels. The hell are you talking about? There are governments in Mexico. Those who are like, look, these people are weak. Yeah, the difference between the uh, government in the United States and the government in Mexico, uh, and I've said this recently, is that the United States has what I like to call a subscription-based model, whereas Mexico is a little more overt with their taxation, with their theft. So, uh, for example, uh, in... um, 
this uh, series on HBO called The Anarchists, the Anarchists. right? Uh, a guy a guy died. His parents went to go pick him up from the morgue, and the morgue was like, "That'll be twenty five thousand dollars, please." <laughs> and uh, they were like, "No, we're not paying that." So, but in the United States, you just go and you pick up your person, but they already collected that twenty five thousand dollars in your subscription model to taxation mm. for whatever city you're in. Yeah, I mean it's pretty ridiculous, Michael, to suggest that there's no government in Mexico. I mean, there's a, they've got a big. Well, government. No, what yeah. I mean is their government is ineffective. The cartels basically run it. The Zetas and the Sinaloas do what they want. Their their government. When you is say is ineffective, every day. their government is ineffective and useless. Well, I mean, okay, they're still well, they still exist. The they're, they're, they're still collecting taxes. The huh? The Batista brothers do what they want. They own cattle lands here and cut down the rainforest there. As long as they dump money into the pockets. When I you mean, say that the Mexican government is ineffective. What are you comparing them to regarding the United States? What are you saying they're more effective or less? If what are, what is the U.S. government more effective at specifically than the Mexican government? Just I'm just trying to clarify what you're saying. Well, in regards to at least we don't have the cartel problems in the U.S. that they have. Yes, we do. But the overall, problems I mean, aren't so much with the cartel as far as like. The, the cartels generally, as I understand it, and Jason Henza's in uh, in the chat room tonight, he's he's living in Mexico right now, so if he wants to weigh in, I'd, I'd be happy to hear from him. Uh, but the cartels, as I understand it, tend to target other cartels. You generally, unless it's like in the crossfire, you generally don't see innocent people getting snatched up and killed by the cartels in Mexico. And further, we have a cartel in the United States. It's called the federal government, and they're, buddy, they're buddies in business. So just because they're less overt with how they're ruling over people and extracting money from them and using violence against them, because they've, they've dressed it up with this window dressing, oh, well, if you, if you get a ticket, you can just take it to court. Whereas, you know, in Mexico, you can just give them 20 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever it is, it'll make them go away. In some cases, that will work for you down right. there. If you try that here, it will generally not work for you, and you'll end up with a, you know, trying to bribe the cop charge on, on top of whatever other charge you were already facing. So it's, it's just a different system of violence but it's a system of violence nonetheless and the people of mexico so are oppressed by their government to save your own huh? behind is better than paying taxes uh, well, say well, that again i'm sorry say it again if you pay money to save your own behind you get a ticket and you're like hey cop look i'll give you 30 bucks you let me go is better corruption is better than paying taxes what makes you think taxes aren't yeah, taxes a form are of corruption. corruption oh i but that deals with the people in charge. At least we can change that by voting. No, you can't. How have you, you, have you tried to change anything by voting? Tell me one thing you've changed by voting. Well, the silence is deafening. Like Paul Schemmel. Paul if, Schemmel, if voting Dr. changed Judy anything, Moore, Michael, they would make it right. illegal. And the fact is, you called in tonight, and thank you for the call. I do, I do appreciate hearing from you. Good he, call. He pointed out that his, the governor in Pennsylvania is incredibly corrupt. Huh. Right. Oh, well, why, would, why would people want to vote for somebody who's incredibly corrupt? How could somebody who's incredibly corrupt get into office? Well, the fact is, the guy who was running against was probably just as incredibly corrupt. So voting isn't going to do diddly squat. And thank you for the call tonight, Michael. There's uh, more coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. And when I say that, I mean generally. I do think that New Hampshire has a chance to uh, work within the system because we have so many libertarian activists coming here that when you actually do vote, a lot of times you can actually vote for someone you know. And that goal is a bit different as well. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, it is, it's a totally different feeling to actually cast a vote for somebody who you know personally and you can call up on their cell phone and they actually do care about liberty. There's more coming up.
Free Talk Live. Phones are open here, and you can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. If you really want liberty in your lifetime, you ought to check out the upcoming Free Cities Foundation annual conference called Liberty in Our Lifetime. It's happening in Prague. October 21st through the 23rd, our very own Mark Edge is going to be speaking at that conference. And the conference's theme this year is Parallel Structures for Progress. They'll be showcasing autonomous cities and intentional communities springing up around the world, offering opportunities for settlers to live freer lives. If you want to get 20% off your tickets, you can go to LifetimeLiberty.com and use code FTL20. That's FTL20. Uh, and you'll get a discount there, 20% off from uh, the event happening October 21st through the 23rd in Prague. Mark says he hopes to see as many of our listeners as possible at the event. So if it sounds interesting to you, you can follow them on Twitter. Their event handle is at LibertyIOL. That's Liberty in our lifetime, at LibertyIOL. And if you want to pay for your ticket in Bitcoin, you can drop them a direct message on Twitter for instructions on how to do that. Uh, so once again, that's LifetimeLiberty.com. Save 20% with code FTL20. Just slide into their DMs, yo. There you go. Ian and the captain here in the studio tonight. Uh, we were just talking with somebody about corruption in governments, and he seemed to be convinced that it was worse in Mexico. Because there's all this propaganda about Mexico. Ooh, it's dangerous <sighs> and cartels and... Ooh, it's scary down there, and the you know, government's really bad. One of the cartels we didn't mention, of course, is the banking cartel. In the United States. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure well, they have one in, in Mexico, too. It, it's sort of a global cartel. Yeah. Central uh, banking, anyway. Jason Henza is in the, the, uh, the chat tonight in our YouTube channel, and uh, you know, he's, our, he's the closest thing to an expert that we have, because yep. he's actually spent some number of years of his life uh, living in Mexico. As a, I don't know if expatriate is the right word, but he's he's been down there for some time. He did come back to the U.S. Uh, as well, so he's kind of been back and forth. But I'd ask the question, you know, hey, anybody out there want to comment on this this statement? And he says the cartels in the U.S. just work differently than Mexico, but both countries have both. And he says the U.S. has a very easy time convincing the people to indenture future generations. And in Mexico, the people are likely to drag politicians through the streets if they think the government is too corrupt. You know, I mean, I don't advocate violence in any way, shape or form, Mm -hmm. but there's something to be said for that. I don't blame somebody for feeling strongly and wanting to take action. At at least... uh, at least in Mexico, it. they recognize politicians for the dirtbags that they are. Maybe some. I'm sure there's some people that trust them or whatever, right? I'm they sure. still get. They still have still elections. Yeah, yeah, they still vote for a president of Mexico yeah. and all that crap. So, and there's still corruption, and there's still a ton of money in politics, and it's yeah. still they're still hurting peaceful people and putting uh, people behind bars. It's just it's just a different experience. It's a but, different place. But you know, like in Mexico and and in other places, I think. Uh, when I was looking into it, you know, I don't know, five, six, eight years ago, something like that. Looking into Mexico? Uh, looking into other places to go, mm-hmm. right, before I came here. Uh, I wanted to come right. here because this was sort of the first. The last ditch. Well, no, this was sort of the first place that, you know, perked my ear. I'm like, what? They're doing what? They're doing a thing? There's mm-hmm. a freedom movement? Where is this? I got to go. So this was, you know, the first that I heard about. But I also heard about Anarchapulco, and I followed a bunch of people online for that. And, uh I also heard about uh, they were doing a thing in Chile that sort of fell apart, like a Galt Skulch kind of thing. Yep, I heard about uh, that. There was uh, something going on in Vietnam. There was mm. 
something going on in uh there's always something being cooked Estonia somewhere and how many of them actually come to fruition so what i was gonna say though is that unlike the united states of america if i were to go to let's just say acapulco and i wanted to open a bar here's what i would do i would find a space and i would go that was for lease and i would go and i would rent that space from whoever owned that space here's some money okay great I'm renting it now. Then I would go to the liquor store and I would buy a bunch of liquor. I'd go to like the regular store and get a bunch of like cups and, you know, whatever I needed. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I would haul it to this space and then I would just put a sign out that says bar and open. That's how you open a bar in Mexico. Is that true? Uh, Are you there's no regulatory agency? I'm paraphrasing here, Mm -hmm. but compared to the United States, yes. It's that much easier. It's that much Mm -hmm. easier to go into business. Uh, in places like Mexico or Vietnam or mm-hmm. Chile or you know that kind of a thing, then that's the way it should be. By way of comparison, you, you shouldn't have to ask for permission. Like to if you want to start a business. sandwich shop, well, you you go and you buy a bunch of supplies to make mm-hmm. sandwiches, and then you make sandwiches right. and you put a sign out that says, "Hey, there's some sandwiches over mm-hmm. here." Maybe you get online and be like, "Yo, hey, I'm making sandwiches, everybody," and like then all of a sudden you're. You have a sandwich business. That's just how it's supposed to be. But here in the United States of America, you can't do any of that. You got to jump through countless hoops. You got to get insurance. You got to, you know, raise capital. You got to take out a small business loan. You got to have a business plan outlining exactly what you're going to do for the first one to five years of your business and how, you know, how much it's going to cost and how you project your revenues to be and how many employees you're going to hire instead of just getting down to business and making yeah. some freaking sandwiches yeah i i really enjoyed the the few times i did go to mexico for the anarchapulco event i went three years in a row and we would have gone again but the organizer of the event that they they put in charge after a few years wasn't very good and we couldn't come to uh what was the previous agreement we'd always had with them she wanted to change it and it was not good uh but the, the what i was going to tell you about was yeah. the taquerias as they are called down there which is where you go to get really cheap tacos yeah. and they're amazing uh they i was telling bonnie this the other night because we were last night when we were out uh on the not quite yeah i guess we were out it's basically near the sea it was the lakes region was where we were so there's this place called weir's beach it's a very big touristy kind of place it's basically a a beach on a lake essentially and so there's like all these touristy places we found a place that was open late because we were there pretty late and we went it's a mexican restaurant i tell her you know in mexico at these taquerias they have on every table there's like this little four bowl contraption that you can sort of rotate around and one bowl's got like uh, red salsa, the other bowl's got green salsa, one bowl might have, I don't know, onions in it and the other bowl's got pico de gallo, right? Okay. So there's like four different things there and they're just there all the time. So when you sit down at the table, you're using the last, you know, whatever the last people were using. Like oh. it's just there. They don't, as far as I know, they don't change it out between different people that come to the table. I'm huh. saying that would never fly in the United States because, oh, sanitation right, right. and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? No one cares. It's like, whatever. Just give me the damn salsa. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, to the extent of like regulation for like, I don't know, the sandwich business I outlined, like, there probably is some sort of regulatory thing, you know, in Mexico or Chile or Vietnam or whatever. But the difference is, like, you can just start your business and eventually, like, somebody comes around and is like, hey, uh, you know, do you got a license or something? And you're like, oh, I didn't know. And they go, oh, okay, well, you know, it's 20 bucks or whatever. And you're like, oh, can you forgive me? And then, like, it's you're still mm-hmm. in business. You're like, you can just do that. 
You know, you can't don't do that in the U.S. Though. Can't do that in the U.S. No, uh-uh, no. If you want to weigh in here, maybe you have opened a business in another country and you want to comment yeah, on how easy or difficult it was, uh, the number 603-283-6160. That's definitely not true in every country because I do remember John Stossel, who did some amazing work with ABC News he in the past. He still does great work. He's still doing great work. Uh, but I think it was with ABC when he did this report where they actually went to different countries and, all right, what do I got to do to start a business? And you know, Legally, right? Right, yeah. And so they compared, and I think it was, it was the United States, Hong Kong, which back when back in this time it was still not really taken right. over by the Chinese. Uh, so the U.S., Hong Kong, and it was one of the Middle Eastern countries, and I don't remember which one it was, and something else. And so the difference was significant. Dubai or something. The yeah. difference was significant between uh, Hong Kong and the United States. It was literally one sheet of paper, sign it submit it you're done you get your business in hong kong the u.s as you know lots of hoop jumping lots of bureaucracy but the other place was even worse than the united states the middle eastern country or whatever oh, okay. it was like they couldn't even like kfc couldn't even get through uh <laughs> you know with all their lawyers that's kentucky fried chicken not know your they, customers they literally had to have the uh, i think it was like the parliament or whatever had to vote on whether or not to allow KFC to open a business oh, wow. in their country. So not every wow. place in the world is worse than the United States, but, well, yeah, but there are definitely some places that are a lot more business friendly. I mean, here true. in the United States, you know, kids want to do a lemonade stand. So, you know, parents want to teach them about basic economics. And so they open it and the cops come and shut them down. <laughs> it's happened. You ain't got a license for this lemonade, kid. To be fair, I have not heard of that happening in New Hampshire. But it does happen in some places. In I have States. been here for three years. I have yet to see a lemonade stand. I've seen them. I've seen it in this neighborhood. In the last three years? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I've All seen right. it. All right. uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. We're going to continue with more of your calls and thoughts, whether you want to weigh in on uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. We we're talking about the FBI and their mil- militant, violent extremism bureaucracy. Or their, uh, the symbols. That came out. Yeah, so that's all possible. Plus, the Russian government is apparently on the attack against the dollar and the euro. And this is according to RT, so their own propaganda arm. We'll see what they have to say about that. And your calls and thoughts are welcome. 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever you want as we continue here on this live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. More coming up. We'd like to invite you to visit freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour here. It is the live Saturday episode here tonight. It's Ian and the Captain. Join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the features there for free. Archives go back for years. You just click and download at your leisure, or you can follow us via our podcast feeds. You can go to feeds.freetalklive.com. You'll find different RSS feeds there. You can copy the URL of your preference, put it into your favorite podcast client, or just use some of the existing links to go to some of the bigger platforms where you can easily follow our podcast feed we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts we got jason henza on the line uh the star one of the stars of the anarchists on, <laughs> Hola, senor. on hbo welcome hey guys how are we going tonight 
good. You're calling us uh, from Mexico, where you are currently stationed. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, uh, I was just calling to refute the caller about the uh, uh, about uh, cartels running Mexico and uh, the United States being better because they're indenturing future generations uh, for safety, basically. And um, yeah, I was just like. Mexico's not that bad. It's not that dangerous. I live here every day. Uh, my entire street, I'm looking up and down. There isn't a building front that doesn't have a business that's occupied. And as a matter of fact, there's one, two, three, four, five, six kiosks in the streets right now where people just kind of opened up their business without permission and just started it. And away they go, and they just do commerce all day long. Touchdown freedom. Yep, Absolutely. Yeah, so that's your understanding as far as, you know, if somebody wants to go out and uh, sell fruit, fresh fruit on the streets or make tacos or whatever, that there's not, you know, some government bureaucracy that's going to be breathing down their neck about permits and health codes and all that nonsense? Yeah, it, it's pretty rare. It depends on the area. Sometimes uh, you do have cartels that control certain areas where they don't want you to cross certain lines that they've given permission to other people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they're not everywhere. Uh, they are in select areas where cartels aren't strong. But where I'm at in Puerto Varda, the cartel is really strong. This is where uh, the cartel families have been fooled, send their, send their families to go on vacation. So they want a nice, safe zone. So this, this place is relatively like, do whatever you want out here. And it's super, it seems relatively safe. I haven't uh, experienced a lot of... So wait, just to clarify, did you say the cartel presence is strong in Puerto Vallarta? I I would say that there's just one controlling it versus mm-hmm. like twelve different gangs like they have in uh, in Acapulco. Okay, how do you get a feel for that? Like when you're there, as especially as a gringo who you know I don't know how fluent you are, but I, pr- I presume you speak some Spanish. Yeah, I speak just a little bit of Spanish, uh, just enough to negotiate for an apartment or get some food or go shopping or ask for directions or something. How do you get a feel uh, for usually, it? Usually, uh, like in, in Acapulco, uh, you have to talk to the locals and kind of uh, figure out what's controlled. Like in Acapulco, the taxis and the drug trade are tightly controlled uh, through territories, so it's a huge no-no to cross those boundaries. So taxi drivers will not take you from one zone to another zone primarily unless they're just going to drop you off in that zone and just go straight back to theirs. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's kind of strangely regulated here. And then here I can get a taxi and go as far as I want out in Jalisco and, and no cartel is going to give them any beef about it. So is that just something that, like you're saying, in Acapulco the taxi driver will tell you? Like how did you learn about the cartel's running the taxi trade because i mean i've been i've been there uh, three times and no one ever told me that but i didn't live there like you did so when did that when did that information come to you how did that happen uh believe it or not that, that came to me when i started working for uh anarchapoco a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I, I found out that um we we had a hotel that was out of the zone of the normal taxi drivers and it, they, they were getting really uh kind of scared and upset that they were mm. constantly going to one hotel so they had to uh, they had to kind of negotiate a price with the with the local cartel and make sure it was all smoothed out. And oh, eventually, wow. it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> hey, uh, Jason, uh, I I've heard some tales that go something like this. 
if I'm down in Mexico and I'm, you know, I don't know, hanging out on the beach or something, that there are possibly even people under the age of 18 who come around and see if there's anything they can get for you. Like they'll run to the store and, you know, bring you beer or stuff like that. Is is that true? Hustlers? Yeah, they're they're everywhere in vacation towns. Actually, you, you can find them anywhere. Uh, they, they'll run around and just do errands for you all day long for, say, like 200 pesos, which is like 10 bucks. Nice. And they're honorable, most of them? They'll like, do what they say they're going to do? Yeah, they, yeah because they, they hope that you're going to refer them to a friend and, uh, you know, keep them employed. And mm. uh, they, that's about the average wage here uh, for general labor here in Mexico. It's about uh, 200 to 300 pesos, which is 10 to $15 a day. Yeah. Because, wow. you know, when, when I go to a beach, uh, you know, locally here in the United States, uh, most of the time I can't even bring a beer with me. Most states have that outlawed. <laughs> right. Uh, or the park or something like that. Like, it used to be, I grew up in Wisconsin and they have different, or at least had, I don't know what the state is currently, but I used to be able to grab a cooler full of beer with my bros and, and a dog and go play Frisbee or chuck the football and, you know, just kind of drink some beers and hang out in the park. But uh, that doesn't seem possible here in the United States. Is that possible in Mexico? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I've, I've seen, you know, 14-year-olds go down to the store and buy some beer and crack it up and walk down the street. It's pretty common. Uh, you know, no one really cares about the, that kind of a trade here. They don't try to control the population as strictly as they do in the U.S. Um, uh, a lot of these people in the U.S., they, they crave safety, and uh, it, it's really restrictive. And as you can tell, like, what are they, like, six to eight generations out of they have to pay off the debt that they're acquiring now? Right, yeah. Are there oh, any um, crazy. are it there is. any COVID ma- mask mandates in place in Puerto Vallarta? Is that stuff still going on? Was it going on? How long have you been there? That was going on pretty late, surprisingly. Uh, there was a big push by Canadian tourists to keep the vaccine mandates, uh, the mask mandates. And um, as a matter of fact, they, they basically ran a local uh, local business out because they tried to implement a, a vaccine passport for their business here, and, it, and everyone just stopped going to it because no one's been vaxxed, really, except for just some of the Canadians, and too, they're too scared to leave their house anyway, so they just kind of stay in primarily. The, the mask wow. mandates, on the other hand, um, I don't go to corporations anymore, but I, I, I'm starting to get word that um, none of the corporations are enforcing the mask mandates okay. That's in good. Puerto Vallarta anymore. The local businesses never enforced them they Good. always wanted your business and money and so like the small mom and pa shops that aren't corporate involved that are just trying to grind out a few pesos here and there they, they've never really forced anything on you hey that reminds me can you smoke in the bars in puerto Vallarta in mexico yeah yes as a matter of fact you can uh you know if you if you light up a joint in the bar though and the bar uh owner doesn't like it he may escort you out like it happened uh the other night to to sure. someone in their group so well, cannabis is still illegal in Mexico, right? I remember hearing uh, within the last couple of years that there was some talk about a decriminalization. Do you know what the current status is? Uh, the current status is, I mean, people, legalities are very loose here. And um, basically, if you've got enough time to waste the cop's time, they're just looking for a quick payout. They don't care about enforcing the cannabis laws here. So if you're smoking and all that kind of stuff, they don't really care uh, too much cool. about it. And yeah, it's uh, it's really loose here. So yeah, almost no one enforces it. No one really cares. Now you spent years, uh, some years in uh, in Acapulco. You're now in Puerto Vallarta, which is more northern. 
uh, if I recall correctly, I don't uh, don't have the geography in front of me right now. What are, what are some? Can you compare the two uh, experiences? Uh, yeah, well, here I've never had uh, transit police approach any of my friends for smoking cannabis, mm. but in Puerto Vallarta, uh, or in my Acapulco, stepped out of a bar. Or, I'm sorry, in Acapulco, mm-hmm. my friend stepped out of a bar. Uh, a group of women started smoking cannabis up on the uh, the Costera there, and some uh, transit police came over and started threatening that they're going to take him to jail. Oof. And so they cornered one of my friends, and they cornered him up on the street, and uh, all all his friends that were with him, my friends too, uh, they went back to the bar, and I, I noticed that he was just cornered by himself, and the cops were, you know, sitting there trying to negotiate. Do you have him. time so to stick with us, Henza? Yeah. You can tell the rest of the story? Yeah, absolutely. All right, more coming up here with uh, Jason Henza. He is one of the the stars of uh, The Anarchist. Also, we met him at Porkfest a few years ago. He's he's a great guy. 603-283-6160 is the number here. That's 603-283-6160. Find out what happened outside the bar in Acapulco in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Talk live, and you can bring up whatever you want here. The number 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160. It's Ian and the captain in the studio here tonight. Jason Henza is on the line. We're going to bring him back in just a moment. Also, want to let you know that we are streaming live video and audio, of course, on Odyssey. Uh, Odyssey is a great website. It's a competitor to YouTube. In the background at Odyssey, they have Library, which is the media sharing protocol that is uncensorable and uh, was created by liberty-minded folks. It's really excellent technology. You should go to lbry.com to learn more about it. You can get the desktop app and support the library network and so on. But if you just want to watch some videos, check out Odyssey. It's a platform that was built on top of the library protocol. And uh, kick ass endorsed, by the way. It's great. Uh, you can go to Odyssey. Easy way to get there is to go to video.freetalklive.com. It'll take you right to our channel. You can subscribe or follow our channel there. And we definitely appreciate it. It's again a way you can watch live and you can watch later on as well if you like over at video. FreeTalkLive.com. We go back to Jason Henza on the line from Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. And Jason, you were just kind of telling us about life in Mexico as somebody who was, you know, originally from the United States. Uh, you spent some time down in Acapulco, which is why you are part of the Anarchists HBO documentary series, which is, I believe, coming up on its fifth episode this weekend. It is. Uh, there will be Tomorrow. six. There'll be six total episodes. We've been watching it here in Keene, and it's been pretty interesting so far. Uh, but uh, but your experience personally between Acapulco and where you are currently in Puerto Vallarta, you were telling us that the police seem more laid back about things like cannabis smoking in Puerto Vallarta, and you were giving us a story of what happened to some friends or a friend of yours outside of a bar in Acapulco. Go ahead and, uh, and tell us that story. Yeah, so my friend got caught smoking uh, cannabis on uh, on the uh, Costera outside of a bar, and all his friends kind of gathered, and I noticed the cops were cornering him, so I jumped out of the bar and confronted the police, and, and I said, what's going on here? I said, we're taking your friend to jail. He's smoking cannabis, and I just looked him straight in the face, so you're not taking him to jail today. And uh, we just stared at each other for a minute. He says, are you calling me a liar? And we went kind of like nose to nose, and we just stood there for a couple of minutes. Um, 
as the entire bar behind us started to creep closer to the edge of the railing and everybody's like looking outside his partner notices that there's a crowd starting to form he was he was completely unable to get any kind of a bribe out of the guy who was caught smoking cannabis Hmm. So he just kind of said, uh, we'll just let you go with a warning today and let my friend out. Pr- pretty much the, the cops are really lax and, you know, they're just looking for a little bit of a payout here mm-hmm. and there whenever they catch you doing something illegal. But you but feel it's, like it's that, not all that serious. You feel like that <laughs> happens more often in Acapulco than it does in Puerto Vallarta? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Acapulco is more of a police state. Uh, you, you see military and police everywhere. In Puerto Vallarta, uh, a cop pulled over. Uh, a motorist the other day and all the residents gathered up around on the street corner, you know, swearing at the cops and really? telling them that he needs to leave the, yeah, he needs to leave the neighborhood and stuff like that. Yeah, I was at the local fish street at the, uh, the local fish place at the end of my street here. That sounds That's a awesome. lot, that sounds a lot like, uh, something that happens here occasionally in, in the Keene, New Hampshire area, cop blocking mm-hmm. <laughs> where, uh, you know, a cop pulls somebody over and a, a group of folks show up and sort of surround the area and bust out their cameras to film it just to make sure that, you know, nothing that shouldn't go down goes down. That was always one of my concerns with being in a place like that. It's like, well, you know, I'm here at their pleasure, right? Like I've asked their permission to be here, so I don't feel like I can do as much as a as an activist, right? Like, I've, first of all, there's a language barrier, number one. But even if that weren't a problem, I'm still the gringo, right? So I don't know. Like, do you even have? Do you know? Like, can can you pull a video camera out in Mexico and and not have the cops smash it and put you in handcuffs? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I've been in six police chases, going off a number of checkpoints here in Mexico. And they virtually do nothing to you. All they're looking for is their little bit of payout and then go on their day. So, like, I've never, I've had 40 police actions here in Mexico. I've yet to pay a single bribe. It's because wow. I never handed my property. And uh, we waste about 20 minutes and I get on huffing and puffing. And eventually they just let me go because they don't want to deal with it. And they just, they're looking for an easier target. So how did if you, you figure out something down here? The, the old the old oh. claim is, you know, you give them 20 bucks or whatever and it's over. How did you figure out that you could get away with not paying out these bribes? Oh, because they weren't holding my property. So I would just wait until they would just give up. They threaten arrest. They do all sorts of stuff until I'm in handcuffs in the backseat of the car. I'm not really even trying to negotiate. Ah, that makes sense because, you know, they ro- probably don't want to really deal with the arrest, right? Like that's paperwork and more work for them. Yeah, I mean, why, why arrest me when they can just pull over somebody else and get, you know, 200 patients out of them? It makes doesn't sense. make any sense. That makes sense. Yeah, they're only getting paid in Acapulco like seven bucks a day, I'm told. Hey, uh, are the police armed there? Do they carry guns? Uh, some of the police carry guns. Uh, they almost never draw their guns. I, I've had the police draw the guns on me three times now. Wow. But most of the time, they never draw their guns. You mentioned that uh, Acapulco much more militaristic as far as the police are concerned. When I was down there, the police are very obvious. They've got, uh, or at least the ones that are obvious are obvious. They, they've got trucks and men with machine guns, like a mounted, you know, 50 cal or whatever. Like they're driving around with large numbers and guns. Is that, uh, do you see that as well in Puerto Vallarta, that sort of behavior? Uh, very rarely. Mm-hmm. I mean, very, very, very rarely. Uh, the, I, I you just see an occasional transit police officer every now and again. So mm-hmm. almost no police force down here. That's interesting. So that's a huge contrast because they're ev- they're everywhere in Acapulco and they're armed up. 
big time. Uh, and I think they're all state cops, basically, down there. So when you see them in, uh, in Puerto Vallarta, are they, are they working for Jalisco State? Or are, they working, are there such a thing as uh, town cops or city cops? Yeah, they, they do have uh, the, the transitos. I think that's what they're called. Um, and they just got uh, shiny red trucks recently, and they, they, uh, they've been running around occasionally. But I, I've seen the National Guard here once, and it was just like one truck uh, full of four guys in the back of it. Typically, before when I was in Acapulco, they had the federales, and right. then they replaced the federales during COVID with the, with the National Guard and stuff like that. So the landscape's changed a little bit for us down here. Hey, uh, regarding driving around, do you need, uh, you know, all the usual things that U.S. people just sort of assume you need, like a driver's license? Do you have to get uh, license plates? Do you have to have insurance? You know, all these things. So uh, the police will pull you over and try to extort you if you don't have these things. But I drove around Oxfoco for two years with my motorcycle without plates on it, without a helmet, which they require there. and. Hmm. I would just drive away from the police most of the time, and then their checkpoints for the rest of the night would try to pull me over, and you know, eventually they would force me off the road. But you know, then they let me go. That's fantastic. So, I, I, oh, go ahead. I, no need for a driver's license in Mexico. No, I, I pulled out a paper copy of my uh, passport, and that's all I showed them. And they they wrote down my name, and then they just let me go. Nice. I uh, do you have time to keep this conversation going, Hensa? Because I mean, it's absolutely yeah, fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. I know of some people. I'm not going to say who they are, but they've been living in Acapulco for probably close to a decade now, and they. Uh, I'm good friends with these people. I was. Before yeah, the they never. They never got permission from the Mexican government gang to do that. Like, they've overstayed whatever the legal amount of time is. I don't know if it's three months or whatever it is. And I just want to get your opinion on that uh, that situation of, quote-unquote, illegal immigration into uh, Mexico. So hang on, Henza. We'll continue here in moments. Uh, Jason Henza is here. You got a question for him? Give us a call. The number is 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. And the phones are open here if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio, it's Ian and the captain. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com and you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners, for instance, there through our chat service. We have the Matrix chat uh, I know there's some people in our YouTube chat or whatever, and that's great and everything, but if YouTube takes us offline, that chat's gone. Yep. Uh, we run the server over at chat.freetalklive.com. You go to chat.freetalklive.com and get step-by-step instructions on how to join that server, so you want to check that out when you get the chance at chat.freetalklive.com. And if you like trolls, we got them in all the chat rooms, so you'll, you'll find them everywhere. Um, we're on with Jason Henza here. He's one of the anarchists, uh, one of the people they're focusing on in the documentary series on HBO. It's been airing the last few weeks, uh, on, I think Sunday nights, Sunday nights, 10 PM. Yep. I'm not able to watch it when it actually airs because, well, I'm here until after 10 because there's some post-show stuff to do. So I don't actually watch it on the Sunday nights, but we do a viewing of it uh, the following day on Mondays. And we're just peppering him with questions because he spent how many uh you know how much time total do you think you've spent down there in uh, in Mexico in your life? 
I've been here on and off for um, since uh, late 2017. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll go back to the States and earn a few dollars, and I'll come back down here and then, you know, back and forth a lot, take care of my family who's aging out and stuff like that. So Gotcha. Okay. So and that leads me to the question I was going to ask you there before we had to go to the, the last break. There's a couple that I know in Acapulco. We always visit them whenever whenever we go down there, and they've been down there for some number of years, most of probably most of a decade. Um, that uh, and they haven't left. And normally, as I understand it, you have to leave in order to be legally in Mexico. You can stay for some amount of time. I don't know if it's three months or whatever. I'm sure you know, Henza. But then you have to leave for at least like a day, and then you can come back. Can you clarify what the? Do you know what those rules are? And uh, and and how many people do you know down there that don't follow them? Uh, most of the people down here don't follow them, and uh, it's 180 days. Okay. Um, and you're supposed to, by rule, wait three days before re-entering Mexico. Three days. Okay. But typically, yeah, typically the bureaucracy there doesn't function quite right, and no one's really paying attention or focusing and. You know, you could just like go to an airport and pay somebody some money and get yourself another visa and stay longer if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So uh, you say most people don't follow those rules. You said you've had you know forty interactions with the the police down there, which seems like a lot over several years. I mean, I I mean I have more than the average person because of being an activist. Sure, uh, but it seems like a lot. Are you one of? I mean, I guess I don't. I shouldn't ask you to admit to anything like this. But when people have an interaction with the police and they aren't, they they're not there legally. They've been past the 180 days. How often do they get caught for that? And if they do get caught, I've heard rumors that it's just a fine and they they take you back to the to your home country. Do you know what the truth is about that or your experience? Yeah, I I, I do. The the police do nothing. Uh, the National Guard does nothing. If you get caught by immigration itself. Depending on what the U.S. policies are, and if they're paying the immigration to detain people, uh, they may do nothing. But uh, recently, we've had people uh, detained upwards of uh, three weeks because they were getting paid every day. They were sitting in detention. They sat there for three weeks, and then um, the police just one day said, okay, you're free to go. Get your papers in order and get out of here, and they just sent them on their way. Hmm. So they had to sit in a Mexican jail for, for three weeks, but ultimately they got cut loose and not sent back to the United States. That is correct. They were, and, and it wasn't even a U.S. citizen. It was, uh, uh, they were from Great Britain. Huh. And, and that was, was specifically couple, the immigration bureaucracy that came across them? Yeah, that, yeah, that was immigration only. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they've ramped that up uh, recently since Trump, and I thought it would get better after Trump was taken out of office. But it's not any better, and... It seems to be getting worse. So, like, uh, as we're going north, if you take a bus ride without a visa, going north, you're at risk of getting uh, tagged by immigration, pulled out of the bus, being processed, stuck in their detention centers, and stuff like that. If you're headed south, no one asks you a single question as you're crossing the border. Uh, Immigration's 100% voluntary. Nobody ever cares. Uh, Half the time, I was able to just, like, blow right through customs back in the day before they actually fixed it all up. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even stop at customs most of the time. Wow. Hey, uh, do they have anything in Mexico, like if you're flying from one part of Mexico to another part of Mexico, that you have to go through, you know, like a x-ray machine or get patted down by, you know, something that resembles the TSA? Do they have anything like that? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't fly at all. I normally uh, drive or take a bus across the country uh, 
I, I've always had a dog, so I never uh, never yeah. could fly. <laughs> so, wait, so you're saying if you're traveling north in Mexico, there's a greater chance for Mexican immigration to intervene? Yes, absolutely. Why? There were uh, four checkpoints uh, when I was on a bus heading north, and uh, twice they came on the bus to check my identification, and they didn't ask for a visa. They just asked for my passport. Hmm. And they looked at the passport from a distance. They tried reaching for it. I pulled away from them. And then they just left the bus. Wow. Why do you think that is? Why would they be more concerned about uh, gringos going north than they would south? I I think they're worried about uh, immigrants headed north, not necessarily gringos. I see. Uh, So they're they're basically getting on a bus, and if they suspect you of being an immigrant, they're going to check your identification to make sure you have a passport Mm -hmm. and that you could be legal at some point, you know, and... Uh, the U.S. Um, is kind of helping the bureaucracy down here enforce that stuff. Hey, uh, is uh, I don't know if you're still involved with uh, Anarchapulco at all, but is the fest going to resume? Yes, and I am the internet guy there, so I'm one of the guys that helps beam the internet from way up on top of a hill. Have to account for the curvature of the Earth platter first. <laughs> and actually, beam that inter- down, internet down into the venue where there's like no internet at all. Wow, I didn't know that. The uh, oh, they've changed venues though, right? They're uh, they're not at the big hotel anymore, right? They're they're at the Secret Garden. Uh, we we realize like we can offer a much much better event and much more high quality. So like the things that we're offering here would cost you ten fifteen thousand dollars in the states for the cost of a thousand bucks or twelve hundred wow. bucks or whatever, and you are just getting a fantastic experience out of it. So. It, it, it's a higher end situation, and then not to mention, there's a Gora Poco, which I'm very proud of those guys for keeping the go, keeping it for, keeping the go forward, and just doing their own thing, their own event, without any organization and stuff like that. That's really awesome. That nice. Doing that. Well, I'm glad to hear the events uh, continuing. And Arcapulco is always one of my favorite events uh, to attend, and. Hopefully, at some point, I'll be able to go down there again. That would be uh, be really nice. I just have to deal with some pesky criminal charges here in <laughs> here in the states. Oh man, yeah, I know all about it. The captain may make an appearance. We'll see how things go. Oh, that'd be cool. I I recently did obtain a ye old passport, so I need to put it to use in some way, shape, or form. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you want to take a bus or drive here, then realistically, you can try just crossing the border without your passport. And most people can do it. I like how you think, brother. Thanks, uh, Hansa. Anything yeah. else you want to say tonight about your experience there? Uh, no, but I do want to say that LBRY is now allowing you to add posts to it and HTML and stuff like that. So they're making really cool steps forward just other than videos. I think they've actually been so. doing that. I don't think that's a new thing. It's just people only majority of people use it for video purposes. But you, I think you've always been able to, to post a blog at library it's uh, it's it's a media sharing protocol so you want to upload an mp3 you want to upload a, a wave file you want to upload a pdf as i understand it you can do all that stuff yeah i've been using it uh, quite a bit recently just trying to uh trying to figure it out and i i just want a better censorship free alternative so i'm looking at that oh yeah awesome do you have like a is there a channel name or something you want to throw out there uh no i i think i'm just uh the henza on uh on there and i don't do a lot like nothing important i'm just playing with it right now i'm not trying to put out any violent information all right brother hey thanks for the call tonight i appreciate hearing from you feel free to call in anytime with uh stories from down in uh in mexico definitely appreciate it man thanks all right guys okay jason enza there he's one of the stars from the uh hbo docu-series the anarchists
which continues uh, tomorrow night on HBO Max. 10 p.m. Uh, they're not a sponsor of the show or anything like that, but uh, so far it's been pretty entertaining. So I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Whether you like or dislike anarchists, you might find it interesting. Uh, there's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Moments remain. If you dial in now, we might be able to get you on. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160 here tonight. It's Ian and the Reverend Captain Kickass. You can join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have for you there. They are free, unlike a lot of those talk show hosts who charge you for their websites. So head over to freetalklive.com and do stuff. I can't imagine that charging people for to visit my website. I can't either. Like, I'm, I'm sorry you can't see any of my content unless you've paid. <laughs> Uh, let's go back to your phone calls here, and phones are open. You can bring up anything you want. We go to Jack in Washington State. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and the captain. Well, Ian brought up uh, in Acapulco how they drive around the back of like the flatbeds, and they're all holding machine guns. Yes, that's uh, the, the uh, national police, basically, the federales. Yeah. I've been down there twice in late 90s, maybe early 2000s, but I think late 90s. And I, I loved Acapulco. I was right in the bay, like across from the big Walmart. If you've been down there, you remember, you know, the centerpieces of tequila for, I think, $1.99. What a wonderful <laughs> place, honestly. <laughs> but yep. And you only have to be, uh, I mean, as Hansa said, he knew of some 14-year-old that was going to buy alcohol. I think the legal age is, is only 18 down there. So, I mean, pretty much anybody can, uh, any adult can buy alcohol there. Yeah, I used to use their internet. You know, you'd go into that, like that little room. Yeah, you're about the same age as me, I think. But you, you know, pay dollars or might have been quarters for some reason, but to get the internet for a little bit. But I'd I I was less threatened by those state police than I am when I speed seven miles an hour over the limit. <laughs> Washington State, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or any. State, honestly sure that yeah, figures yeah. i mean did you actually have an interaction though with the the the, the police in acapulco uh, years later i'll try to shorten the story i went to um uh cabo mm-hmm. where they have that big white rock mm-hmm. that's always what i remember and i i was messed messed up this hack and i was trying to buy something that was illegal i'll leave it at that mm-hmm. and i met a really nice guy who gave it to me I'm walking on the dock. If you've ever been to Cabo, you know, there's like that dock area, yada, yada, restaurants. And I had five federati come on me at once. And like, they all put their hands in my, uh, my cargo pants. And to this day, I was so messed up. I don't actually remember, like, did the guy who swindled me pull it out? But I, I had five federati just jump on me right on the dock, mm-hmm. searched my pants. They walked away. All of a sudden, just stand there alone. I'm like, oh, they didn't find anything. They were probably looking for dollar bills. I don't know. Did, so they they left you with your wallet. Um, I was smart enough back then. I only went out with uh, whatever money I just had. Just some cash. I was on my way back. That's a good yeah. idea. It was a timeshare. It was really nice. Actually. Is Cabo? Is that on uh, Baja? Cabo San Lucas. Baja, uh-huh, yeah. Okay, uh-huh. okay. I wasn't sure where that was located. I only know it. I have never been there, but uh, a friend of mine and and his girl would go every year 
to Cabo. That was mm. their sort of annual, you know, thing vacation. And he he was like, dude, I love it there. It's great. There's a, it, it's a bit touristy. He's mm-hmm. like, but there's yeah. a big expat community there, and like, I think I'm going to retire there when I'm 65. Anything like else you want to share about your experience, Jack? It's like a brown uh, San Diego, you know, okay. more browner. Sounds but, great. Uh, anyway. Thanks for the call tonight, man. Definitely appreciate the story. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Appreciate hearing from you. Let's continue here. Robert in South Carolina, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I I just wanted to go back to um, how laws come about. When I studied law in Germany, I studied... Well, we already know how laws come about. It's a bunch of strangers who are willing to use violence against their neighbors who write crap down on paper. And then they have other strangers who are willing to use violence and force those things. Well, what else do you need to know? Well, he said that this is a professor. He said that the laws actually reflect social customs. And basically people write them down and then they try to try to follow them. And social customs, they change. The, the professor, way. like from Gilligan's Island? Well, plus it's ridiculous. I mean, look, there's a lot of social customs out there. For instance, one of them is that you pay for your meal after you eat at a restaurant, right? Like, but they don't need to have a law to say you have to pay for your meal when you eat at a restaurant. Same thing with going to the grocery store. It's custom that you stop and pay at the cash register uh, before you walk out the, the door of the store. You don't have to have a specific law to say that. And you don't even need a law to know that it's wrong to steal things and that it's wrong to hurt people. So that's why the you know the old saying was ignorance of the law is no excuse. That goes as I understand it that goes back to when the law was simple and it was don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. To say that you were ignorant of that kind of natural law would be no excuse, but to say, of course to say you're ignorant of all the statutes and the codes and all the tomes and tones of uh, law books, quote-unquote law books, in this country and, and others for that matter, is completely believable because no one could possibly read all of them. How many law, be- uh, how many law books have you read through? Well, I had a complete library in Dresden. But of course, it wasn't the complete German law. The German complete German law is 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 is, is, is great. It's is a large number right. of volumes. Right. So you've never read it? Just well, no, not the whole thing. Of course for sure. not. Um, yeah. How much of the American law where you currently live uh, have you read? Well, I didn't study here in the United States, law here. In the but United you live States, here, though, right? Like so, presumably. People who live here, they're expected to know the laws, right? They say ignorance of the law is no excuse. So how much of it have you read, Robert? Those You who loves the law so much and loves the system so much, you surely spend all of your free time or at least a good portion of it reading uh, the law text, right? No. No, you don't. I got most, most of my knowledge actually comes from, from pop, to, to a large degree, listening to what's going on in Washington and understanding that aspect of the law. Okay, well, that doesn't mean anything as far as what the law says. That's just... People well, reporting is, news and politicians speaking on pulpits oh, and whatever. It's meaningless. Hey, uh, David, I have a, I have a question Scott. for it. Or Scott. Sorry. Or Robert, sorry. Jeez, wow. I don't know who What's this, guy this guy's is. name? Yeah. I was thinking uh, of the other... Uh, caller, I have a question for you. Cop sucker named Scott that used to call uh, it. Anyway, uh, go ahead. Do you know how many laws there are in the United States? No, that would be a matter of code law and, and, and their interpretation. And, and, and when Take a guess. I mean, how many you, you're talking about code law? I'm, I'm talking about code law, all laws for, you know, statutes, governing codes. citizens in the United States. How many are there? Well, there are two law of precedence and code law. I would say the two distinctions. 
and 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 to to ask how many how how many laws of precedence there are. I don't think anybody would know exactly. Really, so wow. many you can't even count. Yeah, very yeah. very good. Hey, do you know how many new laws are added every year in the United States of America? It depends. As many court cases as there are, little little. They're little interpretations which come out after every case. So you refer back to a case. This guy would make a great politician, wouldn't he? He doesn't. He can't answer a question this, straight. This one actually has a number: forty thousand. Forty thousand new that include laws state? every year in the United States. That includes all yes. the states. Yes. Federal, federal. A, well, I mean, that's still a lot. Right? <laughs> How many pages you know? is the forty thousand? Right, because well, each law can yeah. be thou, you know, a yeah. thousand pages or whatever. Thanks, Robert. Uh, let's go to another caller here, calling from the eight hundred three area code on screen. You're on the air. Well, hey, hello. Hey, um, this is yet another Robert from South Carolina. Welcome, Robert. Well, you Sorry sound you sound much better so far. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's it's, it's a different world. Uh, there's definitely a couple different versions of South Carolina. Hey, anyways, um, I drive a semi for a living, and I stumbled across you all recently. Thanks for your I service. I think you're very entertaining. Um, I like some of the things you say, and I disagree with some of the things you say. Well, that's okay. The, the way life is supposed to be. Yeah, sure. Um, I do love the callers that just want to dance and spar and say nothing. I mean, the, <laughs> the citizenship guy earlier today was a hoot. Um, oh, yeah. That was fun. That was definitely very funny. Um, so a question, where in New Hampshire are y'all from? Where do y'all broadcast out of? We're in Keene, New Hampshire, which is a little city, quote-unquote, of about 23,000 people in the southwestern corner of the state. It's the county seat of uh, Cheshire County. But we're not originally from New Hampshire. Captain, you moved here from Seattle. I moved here from Florida. Uh, we're here as part of the uh, the, the migration of freedom-loving people, libertarian, you know, anarchist, voluntarist types that have come here over the last two decades. So uh, a buddy of mine um, from way back in the, the middle school and high school days, he bought a uh, he bought a house and a little piece of dirt up in Jefferson a couple of years ago, and uh, we had a chance to go up and visit with him back in April. Uh-huh. Um, fantastic, you know, wonderful. Uh, we were there for about twenty minutes, and my wife's like. We should move here. I'm like, okay, here we go again, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. Hey, Robert, unfortunately, we are right at the end of the show. But if you have more you want to say and talk about, bring up an issue or whatever, we're here seven nights a week. So feel free to call in tomorrow night. Call earlier if you can, and then we'd be happy to continue the discussion. I do appreciate hearing from you. Thank you. Thank you for the call tonight. And, yeah, people that love freedom, I don't know about Robert. He said he agrees with us on some things. If you love liberty, you really ought to check out New Hampshire. Although, if you like to control people, we don't want you. See you tomorrow night.